Recovery means to me is freedom and peace. There is hope. Recovery is awesome. Recovery works. Recovery is possible. There is hope. Recovery is possible. There is hope. Recovery to me means freedom. Recovery is possible. Recovery works. Recovery is always possible. It's fantastic. Progress, not perfection. Recovery is possible. Recovery works. Recovery is a journey, not a destination. Welcome to Montana's Peer Network Recovery Talks podcast. I'm Jim Haney, the Executive Director, and today I have two staff slash guests on, and we're going to be talking about depression. And um, Andy, why don't you start us off, introduce yourself, tell everybody what you do here and uh, I'm Andy Daniel. I am the technology coordinator uh, for MPN. So I do all of our online presence and those kinds of things. Andy's been with us. What have you been here? Six years now, I think. Six and a yeah. half, almost seven. Yeah. 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 You and I haven't done a podcast in a long oh, time. No, we haven't. We used to do them <laughs> every week. And yeah. yeah, yeah. It, people probably got tired of listening to you and me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and Beth uh, is also here with us today and you should be familiar. She's been on a couple of podcasts already. We've been doing Beth. Say hello. Introduce yourself. Tell Hi, what Beth. You do. Sure. Beth Ayers. I am family peer support lead at Montana's peer network. And I also work with families at the children's clinic. And uh, Beth is the Beth is the champion of family peer support in Montana. She's uh, carrying the flag up the hill. So doing good work. Thanks. Yeah. So we're going to talk about depression today because it's, is it, is it month or week? Is it depression awareness month or week? Well, month. Is it the whole month? Whole month? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I forgot because we're hitting all these awareness ones and some yeah. are by the week, some are the month. So I know we've done this kind of topic. It's been a while, but I know we've done this topic kind of in the past, but with our new format, we got a new jingle going on. We're trying to get in deeper. We're trying to go into deeper conversations um, in these podcasts. Um, and so that's what we're going to do today. I think all three of us, um, well, we all definitely volunteered for this one and wanted to be a part of it um, to talk about it because this has impacted each of our lives <clears throat> in very different ways. And um, hopefully we can get into some real deep kind of conversation about depression. Um, yeah. So where or when, I think this is a this is a good point to start. Where or when were you diagnosed? And let's just kind of start there. Like what was going on in your life or what was that experience like being diagnosed? And I think that's a good jumping off point. And then we'll just let it go from there. I can start. Uh, I was not diagnosed until my early 30s. Um mm. In fact, no one had even suggested that maybe I had depression until about then. Mine um, displayed itself as very 
um, cranky and irritable and overwhelmed. Mine's definitely tied to my hormones too. So some months I'd be fine and other months I'd be packing my bags and ready to leave my family and just couldn't mm-hmm. handle it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was about my early thirties when I went to a pastor at church and was kind of talking to her, doing some counseling. And she said, I think you might have depression. And at the time I thought depression was like, you sleep all the time. You don't have mm-hmm. energy. Um, but no, the irritability and the overwhelming um, is also part of that. And so, yeah, that was the first time anybody ever suggested it to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I went and got treatment for it um, at that point. And sure enough, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Did they do the depression scale test for I you? Don't... Did they ask you those questions? No, I just went and saw... Uh, I guess I probably saw my primary care first. Mm -hmm. I think just by me talking, she was like, oh, yeah, you're depressed. Like, I don't think anybody, anybody that knew about depression really didn't question it. Um, And then, yeah, I ended up seeing a psychiatrist probably a year or two afterwards when, you know, we had to like change meds and things like that. So. Mm. Okay. So I got diagnosed in college, um, I think, uh, like senior year of college or maybe when I was in graduate school, uh, I can't remember exactly, but, uh, I had struggled with things since my teen years, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, but at the time, therapy and that kind of thing just wasn't something that you did with kids right we Mm -hmm. just you know Mm -hmm. you just didn't get treatment or or -hmm. anything and so it wasn't until I was in college and um the student health center there I I actually I started going to adult children of alcoholics groups first that's how I got Mm. introduced to the student health services mental health Mm. stuff Mm -hmm. and so then you know things um progressed from there, uh, seeing somebody individually instead of just in the group, um, therapy. And they gave me a Beck depression inventory because that was the Mm. standard at the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. However, I was a psych major and (laughs) I'm looking at the Beck depression inventory going, how depressed do I want them to think I am? Right. Like, I, I know what the answers to the questions right. are. Right. Um, right. Things have changed a little bit since then. I, I, people don't use the Beck depression inventory mm-hmm. quite as much anymore. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so uh, I started medication, which is always uh, kind of a trial and error kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I also had lots of symptoms of um, obsessive compulsive disorder, not quite at the level of disorder, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, those things kind of spike in your early twenties and, Mm -hmm. and stuff. So, um, school definitely got easier, um, after I started getting treatment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I was, I was about that same age, um, I was 21 and um, 
I had a suicide attempt and um, they put on my chart depression. And then when I got discharged and went to a mental health center, they assigned me a counselor. And, um, and I lucked out because the counselor was, she had a private practice, but she volunteered a couple days a week and went in and saw some clients anyway. And, and so I asked her about it. I said, what, I said, they just put that on there or what, you know? And she said, you don't, you don't think you're depressed. And I was like, <laughs> no. <laughs> and that's how, that's kind of how the relationship started was like that. And, um, and so, yeah, I was 21 and it was like, um, for me there, I had this like dual experience of it. I had this one side of it was, okay, I have something now there's a name for it and I can research it. And then the other side of it was, I don't, I don't want to be mentally ill. There was that side of it happening too, this sort of rejection of it. And, um, and it took me a little bit to come to terms with it because I also got diagnosed at the same time with uh, substance abuse. I was, I was drinking, but I was drinking. Now I look back and it's like, I was drinking because I was depressed. Right. But the drinking made me more depressed, you know, like, And, but it was easier for me to come to terms with that than it was to have a a mental health diagnosis. That was much easier. And it was easier, I think, on my family too. I think that was easier to accept for everybody. Um, And of course, the simple solution uh, that my, my, my doctor, GP doctor, said, well, just, just quit drinking, you know, cause it's a depressant. So if you quit drinking, <laughs> life, life will just get better. <laughs> it was a very confusing time. It was a very confusing time. Um, and being young, you know, being young, that, that was really, that was challenging because you're still growing emotionally, mentally, you know, like, but yeah, that was, um, yeah, that was, it's just talking about it, you know, I sort of reflect back. I mean, it was a long time ago, but that was my first, my first diagnosis was, was depression. How, how has, how, how, how did that impact, impact your lives Um, back then? Let's start with that, you know, before we get into like things today, but like back then, how was that impacting your life and, and having the diagnosis, how did that impact your lives? It kind of, for me, it kind of um, validated things for me um, that there was something wrong, but it wasn't my fault that there were things mm. that were wrong um it it was weird because i thought that all of my issues were linked to my dad's alcoholism right because that was like the presenting kind of factor for Mm -hmm. me was Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. this is the system i grew up in and 
and, um, you know, trying to get support for that, um, then led me into, well, there's, there's clearly something going on with me that's not directly related to that. I mean, it is related to that, but it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like if my dad quit drinking, I wasn't going to be depressed anymore. Right. Like that was, you know, that was a thing, but, um, the finding the medication to work was really hard at that time. Cause I was trying to go to college and you try something for a couple of months and, mm-hmm. you know, I felt like a zombie for, a few months and then we try something else and Mm -hmm. it's just so hard to find the right thing um but you know i was seeing uh, a therapist at school i was also seeing a nutritionist um to try to Mm -hmm. change some of my eating habits and Mm -hmm. and stuff you know to to make those changes uh but it it definitely once i got things pretty stable it did make school a little bit easier um Mm -hmm. I wasn't fighting to get up and go to class every day and um and that kind of thing and and sort of relieved a little bit of the pressure I'm I'm a perfectionist and um going through counseling even though it wasn't exactly the depression going through counseling helped me with it's okay if you don't get a's on everything right like your life is still going to be okay if you get a b or a c in college right and so um i think that helped me sort of round out my life a little bit um i wasn't just like school 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 um i can have a social life you know that kind of thing Mm -hmm. do you think the perfect perfectionism was related though to your father that growing up in that kind of environment yeah yeah absolutely um the things that uh you know he would say to me while he was drinking about school and and just yeah really really high expectations and Mm -hmm. the difference between the way he treated me and the way he treated my brother My, my brother didn't have those scholastic expectations his expectations were different um Mm. but like i i had originally wanted to go to medical school and Mm. you know i i got a b in a science class and my dad told me i was never going to get into medical school with grades like that and Mm. you know so that did i mean that really did push that perfectionism and that uh, need to achieve and you know mm-hmm. be top of the class and and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. beth what about for you what was the impact back then oh getting the diagnosis or having somebody say i think it's depression um that gave me a plan and I do really well with plans. So if I can like pinpoint mm. the problem and then we'll have a plan and it'll get fixed and that's just great. And that's how I, um, yeah, I, I'm much more comfortable naming something and mm. going about fixing it. Um, however, mm-hmm. um, it is good to have a diagnosis and it's good to have a plan. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to fix it. I've had to kind of learn that, mm. um, you know, yeah, that I can't, I can't uh, fix life to turn out okay. 
Um, I don't know that has to do with the depression or the perfectionism or control. I don't know. But um, at the time I was diagnosed, I had um, a husband. I had two children. Um, They were young. Uh, We were still young in our marriage. And so, you know, that's kind of a a shit show in the beginning. Um, Just not knowing each other and not really knowing ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then yeah, then, you know, I'm, I'm overwhelmed and I'm irritable for no apparent reason. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that Mm -hmm. caused a lot of strain, but, Mm -hmm. um, I think for me, I could recognize the depression patterns, um, Mm -hmm. from when I was a child. And especially Mm -hmm. when I was, um, high school, young adult, I would, I would do all I could to kind of hold it together until Mm -hmm. I couldn't anymore. So there was no like flexibility. There was no leeway. There was no like, oh, Mm -hmm. I had, you know, a bad day today. It's, it's, um, yeah, I have to hold it all together. I have to do it all correctly. But then Mm -hmm. when I can't, then I lose it and I do Mm -hmm. everything I can to, I mean, that's a lot of where the drinking came in and the doing drugs and the going to the, the, um, the casinos and, you know, just pretty much like checking out, like if I can't get it right and if I can't hold it all together, then I'm just out Mm -hmm. of here. And that's Mm -hmm. just kind of, that was the cycle of my life. And then I would Mm -hmm. recover from that. And I'd be like, all right, here we go. I'm going to do it this time. And it was just Mm -hmm. this constant cycle. I, I, um, came to kind of explain it as like walking on a tightrope. Like Mm -hmm. I was on the tightrope. And you can't make any mistakes or you fall off. So like mm-hmm. it it was all or nothing. So I walk across this tightrope and I do really good for a while and then I mm-hmm. fall off and then I got to go all the way back to the beginning and I have to start mm-hmm. all over and I have to, you know, every relationship's ruined. Everything that I did was ruined. Um, and that's how I live for, I mean, a good majority of my life um, until I could see it as like more of a trail or a path. Like, yes, I, you know, I stepped off. I don't have to go back to the beginning. I can keep Mm -hmm. going. All the stuff I did before, you know, still there. Um, But yeah, that's kind of, it was kind of that, that pressure, you know, cooker thing. And so, um, Mm. yeah, and just not really knowing why I think trying to figure out why for so long, it was really reassuring to, to have something to, you know, pinpoint it at. Um, And then, yeah, so I, got on, um, medication, which helped a lot. Um, and then did counseling, did some 12 step groups, you know, things like that. There was a lot that was tied into it, but, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of things that could affect it. Um, but just, yeah, how, how to deal with life on life's terms, how to handle the, you know, when I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed or feeling a little bit irritable, um, yeah, so I think that's kind of, that's where I was at. Um, the pressure I put on myself definitely didn't go away at that point. That's kind of been a, a long process, but, um, at mm-hmm. least I had a plan. And so mm. I did well with that part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. You both talked about <clears throat> depression or, um, uh, Perfectionism, sorry about perfectionism. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, I 
the impact, well, the impact number one was, um, you know, as I said, I ended up in the hospital uh, for a suicide attempt. I actually had two, there was two suicide attempts. I had that first summer that was uh, 94. So going back quite a ways. Um, and yeah, so I got connected with the counselor and then it was through a mental health center and a psychiatrist and similar to what you described, Andy, the medications, you know, I, I think I went through like four or five different meds and each one you're on for a couple of months and, you know, some <clears throat> didn't seem to do anything. Some made me more suicidal. Some kept me up all night. Some put me to sleep, you know, so add that into the mix of what was going on. And there was definitely this urgency to keep me, keep me alive. That was sort of the immediate focus. Um, and I went to some, you know, stabilization units and things like that too, during that time, a couple of full on hospitalizations, but that was an immediate kind of need. And again, there was a lot of focus on, um, it's all because of the drinking. There was this, you know, um, and I remember I, my, so my first, my first, um, try at, at sobriety, um, I made it 45 days. I went 45 days without drinking. But it was like, I didn't, you know, when I look, this is me looking back, right? It's like, it's like, I needed some tools. You mm -hmm. can't just say, you can't just say, well, just stop drinking and you won't be depressed and you'll stop trying to kill yourself. It's like, you got to insert some tools into that to replace, right? And, and of course, at the time, I didn't even have the vocabulary. Nobody in my family talked about mental mm -hmm. illness or substance use or right. So there was no, nothing was familiar. It was all brand new. But if I go backwards from then, when I was 21, I mean, I was certainly depressed all through my teen years into my preteen. When I was 10, I ran away from home. And, uh, and the police found me and, you know, I had to go to counseling and stuff. And again, this is now, this is going way back now. Now we're into the eighties, you know, and it was like, it was like, there was no like, well, what's going on at home that made you want to run away? It was like, why would you do that to your parents? You know, that's bad of you kind of thing. And like, I can remember going to counseling and feeling like they were like, the counselor was like blaming me or like, you know, there was just no recognition of what was happening. And, and I can remember being, uh, I was like 16, I was in high school. And that was the first time I told my, I told my girlfriend in a note, you know, how we used to pass notes in, in school, <laughs> you know, in between classes, you know, right. Before and texting. Yeah. Yes. Before there was testing. no texting. That's what you were doing is you were, you were passing notes. I mean, that's what you did, right? You sat in class and wrote a note, folded it up. And when you passed them in the hall, you nope. handed, you handed notes to people, you know? And it, that was the first time I told her, like, I think I had, I think like in health class, we had a class on suicide, 
mental health, maybe depression, maybe something along those lines. And that was the first time I could put a name to it. And I wrote in a note to her, you know, sometimes I think I, I want to kill myself, you know, like, and she told her parents and her parents told my parents and they, I'm like 16. So this is years before. And, you know, my parents like sat me down and were like, so what's going on? And I'm like, nothing's going on. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, you know, like, and like nothing was done. They said, well, stay home from school a couple of days. And then they made me meet with the counselor at the school. And we would just sit there and talk about, you know, the, the baseball team or the football team or whatever. Like we, like it wasn't, it wasn't even counseling. It was just, you know, just, he was a nice guy, but he didn't, I don't think he had the skills to no. really delve in and there was none of the testing, you know what I mean? Like none of that, like, and was like, Hey, hit a home run today in the game. You know, it was like, you know, like, that, like that was it, you know? And so, yeah, I think, you know, it's so like, and again, this is all hindsight, you know, looking back, mm -hmm. it's like, well, well, nothing got solved. It just, it just carried on until it reached a tipping point because I just kept drinking more and more and more, but I was really severely depressed and it was just getting worse and worse. And, you know, and then it, right. It only takes like some event, some event in your life that's out of your control can really make things go, you know, and I think that's like what happened. And, and if it hadn't happened then when I was 21, it would have happened when I was 23 or 25 mm. or whatever, like, but that's definitely the road that I was on. There was no awareness on my part and there was no awareness in anybody around me either. So I feel fortunate that I was the age that I was and that I got, you know, not just a diagnosis, but um, the mental health center and, and that got me counseling and a psychiatrist and, you know, the meds were terrible. I mean, that was the impact of that, you know, cause my family was like, you just don't want to take your meds, you know? And I'm like, no, like I'm feeling this way. <laughs> you know, Like it just, it just wasn't. Yeah. The meds never for me really clicked, you know, they never, and I struggled taking them. Um, I took them for like the first five years, six years, you know? And then I remember telling my psychiatrist, like, I think I want to come off the meds, you know, mm -hmm. like, I, I just don't feel like they're, he's like, you're doing so good. What do you mean? Like, just keep taking them, you know? And I'm just like, they're always a problem. Like, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for me, when I went off of them, though um then things would like totally go off the rails like i mm. i remember several times just collapsed on the floor in my kitchen sobbing and it was always related to something right there was an event something happened yeah, yeah. but now i have no I have no capability of dealing with this thing that happened. And, mm -hmm. and I know my husband at the time, I'm sure was just like, I do not know what is going on with you. Right. Like, 
this is a minor thing, right? Like, oh my gosh, we have this bill and we don't have the money to pay it. And mm-hmm. I am just, I am a total wreck because you know, I just, I didn't have the ability to deal with those things because I wasn't in a healthy state of mind. So every little thing felt like the end of the world mm-hmm. um, to me. Uh, it's interesting that you talked about the school counselors. I, when you said that, I was reminded um, when I was in the fifth grade, my, we were building a house. My parents were building a house. And the the mantra around building a house is if you can survive building a house, you will never get divorced. Yeah, that doesn't work because they got divorced later. But but it was a very stressful time because building a house is a very, very stressful time. Yes, and, it is. And so then, so then um, the counselor, the school counselor, you know, calls me in and and we're going to talk through this stuff because my parents are fighting every night and, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm taking a bunch of that on myself and, you know, stuff, but, but she also didn't have the tools. School counselors do not have the tools to help you deal with those crises, right? It was, let's build up your self-esteem, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm like, that's, that's not, that's not helpful. Thank you. Like, yes, I have low self-esteem. I have low self-esteem, but that's, that's not going to fix the problem. Are school counselors real counselors? No, they're not. I mean, some, some do have like a master's in education with a okay. counseling focus, but no, they are not mental health providers. They're, they're not uh, like no. LCPC. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. That just occurred to me when you said that. I'm like, maybe they're not really. Actually no, they're not. They, they, just, <laughs> they just call them, they just call them school counselors. Wouldn't that be smart of us to actually put real <laughs> counselors in schools? I mean, like actual counselors with like, especially, especially, you know, so I've been in counseling, okay, since I was 10, you know, <laughs> off and on my whole life. And the older the counselor is, in my opinion, the better they are because they just mm-hmm. have more experience yeah. yep. handling things and they themselves are more mature and more developed yep. too. School counselors tend to be younger, in my yeah. opinion. And, yeah. Oh my gosh! I oh. use my school counselors to get out of school. <laughs> that just you know. you go see the counselor. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. you didn't have to be in class. Yep. Mm-hmm. I I need to go see the counselor so I don't have to yeah. be in class anymore. Yeah. 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 Definitely. And oh my gosh! You know, I grew up in a home where, um, yeah, we didn't talk about things. We didn't ask for help yeah. on things. You know, we didn't my folks didn't do church they didn't do you know mental health count none of that um and yet from a very young age I was just always like drawn to people and to people that could help me and to talking to people and I'm sure my parents were like please quit talking to people about things you know (laughs) but I was just always drawn to that so I've always been one to like you know search out Uh churches or 12-step groups or you know counselors at school or teachers at school or just anybody that I could get that attention from or that I could like I don't know change things fix things I've always just been a like let's fix this let's fix this and I don't know Mm -hmm. where that came from because it was not from 
my fault something, was at all. So, something internal, something, yeah. something internal in you was driving that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, always. That's, that's, that's interesting. That's, um, that's <clears throat> when I look back at like, uh, the first five, those first five years, first five years of my recovery, there was something driving me to, um, educate myself, seek out support to try to understand, to try and learn. Um, and I really took that on the first year, <clears throat> the first year I, I had this thing, I had this goal of, um, six days a week, I was going to do something each day for my, my well-being, you know, giving myself one day where I wouldn't. So it was a meeting or counseling, or I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read this book about depression or, you know, like I'm really like jumping in, you know, not just like, Oh, five minutes, I'm going to work out for five minutes and, you know, call it good. No, this was like every day, and in the beginning, I, I couldn't even work in the beginning. I mean, I, I was like, I don't want to say non-functional because I wasn't that, I wasn't to that point, but I was pretty darn close. And, and they, uh, the mental health center started talking to me about going on disability, filing, you know, disability. And I was like, disability, I'm, I'm not disabled. You know, like I had a really hard time with that part of it. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, I'm never going to work. Like I'm never going to do things like, and so there was this part of me that was like, no, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to do it that way. And I think that, um, that's, that's why I think eventually I was drawn to peer support and person-centered planning and why I think that's so important to allow people the time and the freedom and the choice because that was huge for me, right? Like my psychiatrists being like, you know, keep taking the, keep taking the meds, like they're working and, you know, like your life is better. And I'm like, I know, but it might be even better if I, cause then, you know, by the time I reached the five-year point, I had the tools, I was going to groups and I was introduced to a peer support and, you know, like I had some things in place in the beginning I didn't, and I was grasping for anything just to keep myself alive. Um, how, how did each of you view it? Like, did you have a way that you viewed it or identified it before you had the word depression? Was there a way that you, yeah. I don't know how My husband termed it hormonal. <laughs> That was, that was that what was, we blamed it on. That, yeah. that was the way you, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. You know, th things aren't a problem until that's at that time. And then everything's a big deal and it's just hormones. Yeah. That's what we mm. played it off yeah. as for a really long time. That was, that, that was me too. I mean, I, I think that's just an easy thing for people to say, right. Yeah. For women. For, yes. For, oh, for, it's just for most, men to say about women or yes. Women yeah. It's women. just your hormones, but um, my depression was masked by my anxiety, but I didn't have that word. I, the, I didn't have the word for anxiety. I was a worrier. 
Like mm. from the moment I was born, I mm. was a worrier. And so I heard mm. my my mom and my grandma and stuff talking about, uh, oh my gosh, you're going to have an ulcer by the time you're, you know, 10 years old kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> um, and, oh my gosh. and like third grade, I had a stomach ache every day in third grade. And I would go to the teacher and I would say I had a stomach ache and she would say, okay, go back and do your work. Right. So, which, which was okay because she wasn't going to call my mom and have my mom come get me every day because I had a Mm -hmm. stomach ache. Right. So she didn't have the tools to really help, but at least she didn't, I don't know, she didn't babe me me or, or whatever. Right. Okay. You're feeling this way, but you still got work to do. She acknowledged you. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. She acknowledged you. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody sort of chalked my stuff up to, oh, you're just a worrier. If you would just stop Mm. worrying about things, right? And people Mm. still do that to me. Stop worrying. Okay, if I could stop worrying, I I would, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) if I had that much control over it, I would totally do that. But (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I Once I got into, I had no awareness of it whatsoever before I was diagnosed. But once I got into counseling and started really, and it's really more than counseling. It was true on therapy. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was going multiple times a week. Um, Then I started to identify it as I used to call it, I used to call it the darkness or Mm -hmm. my darkness, because that was how I began to be able to put words to it. And, Mm -hmm. and early on, I went to some 12 step groups but then I got introduced to smart recovery mm. and, and the whole concept with smart recovery was to view it as something outside yourself so that it was separate. This isn't really who you are. Right. Mm. And so they have this thing with the drinking and uh, call it the beat. They call it the beast, but you can name it anything mm. you want, but then you begin to view it as something external to you. But with the depression, I began to call it and, and did this for years and years, the darkness or my darkness, you know, it was just like, I began to be able to identify it and define it. And when I was feeling that way, and when I wasn't feeling that way, but that took time. And I think that's a, that's a huge step, like as a peer supporter, when I work with somebody and they can begin to identify those patterns, like Beth, you were talking about that. Like, I think that's a huge step. It like, it, it, it's empowering because then you can, you can, oh, and then you begin to see some of those things. I don't know if, if you guys experienced that, but it was like, a, it was like, a, I don't know, you know, for calling it darkness, it was like turning a light on, you know, it gave illumination to, to, oh, this is what it is. This is when I'm not like that. And to be able to see the two differences and be able to express that and see what was similar and what was different. And mm-hmm. I really feel like that's when I could make progress. And it wasn't just how do we keep, keep Jim alive, mm-hmm. you know, um, because I couldn't express it and I couldn't define when I felt that way. And when I didn't feel that way in the beginning, yeah. yeah. Anytime something I do or the way I think, anytime I get clarity on it or I see it, you know, I, or I understand it. I love that you know, feeling like, oh, okay. It all makes like, I love when things make sense to me or when I can see yeah. patterns or I can see you know, like, oh, it's because of this. And 
that's just always been my, I don't know, always what I've, you know, a lot of understanding and trying to get understanding. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can, from the outside world. Just, yeah, like just those aha, you know, moments, like mm-hmm. where things kind of fit and you're like, oh, that's why I always did that. Or, oh, I didn't realize I was mm-hmm. feeling this way or just any of those sort of mm-hmm. progress, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I had a, I just had remembered this. I hadn't remembered this before about medication, but um, there was a time where I was totally adverse to it. Um, and mm-hmm. I can remember I had had my daughter. She was an infant. So I was still feeding her. I was still nursing. And I was with her father. And it was not a, you know, healthy relationship, obviously. Nothing was healthy in my life. Um, <laughs> And I remember going to counseling at this treatment center, I think because it was free. And this treatment center had a reputation for the minute you came in, if you were in there, you know, to like quit drinking, then they would put you on medication. And I remember it's been like, well, it's not a medication issue. You know, like I just didn't have the whole concept of behavioral health at the time, but mm-hmm. our attitude was, you know, you know, that they just threw these meds at people. So when I went to this counselor there, that was her thing. She's like, you need to quit nursing and get on antidepressants. And I was like, no, that's not the answer. But I was just so against, um, yeah, anything, I don't know if it was medication related or just pretty much anything I couldn't do myself, any outside help, Mm -hmm. any internal, you know, anything like that. I was really, even though I sought people out for whatever Mm -hmm. reason, I still felt like if I can't do this on my own, then, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, I don't know, you know, a crutch or it's a, but yeah, my, my thinking has changed so much around medication and things like that, that I forgot I even had that. Yeah. So I never went back to the counselor again. I was like, whatever. (laughs) But so yeah, somebody did tell me, I guess, earlier than 30 that I was depressed, but I just didn't. Yeah. I didn't hear him. So you weren't weren't ready for that. Apparently not. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like her approach. I was thankful. I I was thankful that um, I had a good relationship with my primary care doctor I don't think with the first pregnancy, but with one of my pregnancies where he was like, okay, well, you can't take this one anymore, but you clearly cannot be off everything, right? So let's find the one that might help you that's okay to take while you're pregnant because, gosh, that must have been the second one because the postpartum depression uh, then was was horrible with, with my first one. I mean, there were a lot of Mm -hmm. health issues and stuff, but, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I was in the, um, I'm a terrible mom and what did I do? Mm -hmm. And I don't even know, Mm -hmm. I don't even that I had the whole, I don't even know what to do with this thing. What, what is this thing and what do I do with it? Right. And, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I had good supports, I had good social supports and family supports and stuff, but, um, my doctor was, was, and it, he wasn't a psychiatrist. He was just my primary care doctor, mm-hmm. but you know, mm-hmm. he was really, mm-hmm. okay. You can't, <laughs> you clearly can't just go off everything. Right. So let's right. figure out what we can do to keep you mm-hmm. stable mm-hmm. Uh, while you go through this. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Were you, were you young, Andy? Were you young when with your first? Uh, my, my first one was, I was 25. So this oh, was okay. probably my, this was probably my second one. So I was 27 mm-hmm. with, my, okay. with my second one. Um, yeah. Beth, I was going to ask you, did you have postpartum depression? <laughs> my no? life was a mess. <laughs> I could have, who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah, there was just so much going on and so many coping mechanisms that I used that weren't healthy mm. in relation. I mean, it was just such a big ball of, mm-hmm. you know, it was just mm-hmm. a mess. In fact, mm-hmm. I can, we were talking about, you know, our, um, like my family and I can remember, I mean, they would recognize things, but we just were afraid, I think, to handle it. But I can remember one time I had harmed myself because I was just another one of my coping skills. Mm -hmm. Um, And my parents found out and I was given the choice that either or maybe I had hurt myself. Anyway, I was given the choice that if it was somebody else who would hurt me, I needed to go to the police station. If it was myself that hurt me, I needed to go to treatment. Um. Mm. And that was probably like one of the few times that we talked out loud about what was happening, Mm. but that's all the further it went. It -hmm. was, you know, well, we don't really want our kiddo to go to the police or the treatment, you know? So it was Mm kind of like, and there was a lot of bargaining, like, I, you know, I promise it'll never happen again or whatever I said, but, um, yeah, that was one of the times that we addressed it a little bit. Mm. Um, and yeah, I don't know that I was honest with my with my family at the time. But, um, but yeah, I just, I can remember just wanting to do anything to not have to do either of those two options and to just keep doing what I was doing. Like I just did not, yeah, I was not ready to address any of it at that time. You think it was maturity, like emotional development? Like you think that was part of that? Yeah, I think some of it was just being a teenager and wanting to go do what you wanted to do. You know, you didn't Mm -hmm. want anyone to tell you Mm -hmm. to like quit doing this or you can't do that anymore. Um, I think that was a lot of it. And I think I had those coping mechanisms so that I felt okay about everything. Well, then you Mm -hmm. take that away and then it's like, what do I do? I'm not okay. I'm not going to be okay. So, um, yeah, so that that kind of it's been a slow progress for me for sure. It's been like one thing at a time, addressing mm-hmm. one thing at a time, one step mm-hmm. at a time, giving getting rid of one poor coping mechanism at a time. Um, you know, throughout my whole life, really. Um, just that, like I said, that constant improvement and constant dealing with things. Um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah. I think if somebody had known looking at my life, they would have been able to say, all right, there's some issues here, probably mm-hmm. depression and let's work on that. But I didn't really have any of those outside perspectives. I had such a, um, I, I tried so hard not to use any substances, not to drink. Like I'd seen my dad be an alcoholic, right. Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. it did to the family. And I'm like, that is not going to be me. And I think I, in the back of my head, I was like, well, as long as you're not drinking, it, it it'll be fine. Everything will be mm-hmm. fine as long as you're not mm-hmm. drinking. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I've never had that. I've never had any issues with substances, but it was really, I, I had to really look at that to, 
really make a conscious decision, right? Mm. That if I was home alone and I was sad and I would think, oh, a drink would make me feel better. I was, because I'd been with a- in ACOA and stuff, I was able to recognize that that was not healthy. Mm. So I wouldn't do that, but it still, it didn't change anything right it's not because that wasn't Mm -hmm. that didn't have anything to do with my Mm -hmm. mental health um -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. were there so let's talk a little bit about what you do i mean and beth you were kind of getting into this really um so what's what's helped what what has helped in the past and then what helps today what do you do for your recovery or to, you can use the word manage it or how has it evolved over the years? Because for all of us, we're talking about something started in our past. Mm-hmm. It's been quite a while. Um, so what, what does that look like? Yeah, it's like a little bit of everything. I think it's, um, I th- that's one of the hard things again, I like plans. I like things to make sense. I like things very linear and the influences that come at me, everything just doesn't make sense. It's not like, okay, this happened and this is happening. So here, you know, this is why it's go. It's just, it's like Mm -hmm. everything kind of contributes a little bit. And then at the same time for those healthy things, everything contributes a little bit. So I do a little bit of everything. I do counseling, um, I've done counseling with my husband, counseling with my family, counseling on my own. I mm. see a psychiatrist. Um, I um, have church. That's very important to me, my um, spirituality. I have a lot of friends, a lot of uh, social stuff. That's also really important to me. Um, I really need to connect to people. And then just like eating, sleeping, exercising, um, you know, I can tell if I am feeling depressed and I get on my phone or I do anything that's like, I call it addicting, but anything that drives that part of my brain. So whether it's like playing a game or on my phone or even like, you know, doing I don't know. I can turn anything that's healthy into an unhealthy, like, you know, I do a puzzle. Cause I'm like, Oh, I like puzzles. And then, and then, you know, like pretty soon my family's like, are we going to eat? Are you going to feed us? Like what's happened to mom? Oh, she's doing a puzzle. Two days later. She'll be out in a couple days. Yeah. So I have to, that's just, I have a tendency for that. with my brain. And I think just understanding myself too better, like, you know, okay. Yeah. This is healthy or this isn't healthy or I'm using it you know, a certain thing in a healthy way. Um, so mm-hmm. I have to, yeah. So I can tell like when I, when I'm spending too much time on my phone, too much time watching TV, that that just contributes to that depression too. So I have that understanding. Um, I like to get outside and, um, you know, take my dog for a walk sometimes. So it's just, it's kind of just a little bit of everything and it changes a lot too. those things that I, do at home to take care of myself. You know, they're constantly, um, evolving. Mm -hmm. Um, the medication has, um, is a huge, a huge, um, contributor to my wellness. 
And I agree with what you guys were talking about before that it's like, you're not feeling well. So then you have to go change your meds and it's like, all right, so maybe in six weeks you might be feeling better, but if not, then we're going to have to change it and you'll have to wait another six weeks. And it's just so daunting to like, have to just wait it out. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the part Mm -hmm. about it. I don't like, I've had to do a big med change once and um, it was months and months of just, you know, different side effects and not feeling Mm -hmm. well. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so honestly, I think I need to do that again. And I'm dragging my feet because I don't want to, I don't want to go through that process again. Um, cause it can be a process. So, but yeah, I think all of those, um, yeah, all those different tools, um, you know, help me manage it and, yeah. and be healthy. Yeah. But that's why I, that's why I eventually just got off the meds. That's like part of why I just, I was just like, I don't, I don't want to be like this forever. Every time I need to change it, then it's this major thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like, I just, I guess I just came to terms with, I'm going to suffer a little bit, but that's going to drive me to find other things. So I don't ha- to have to take the med, like, and that's just for me. That's just... Mm-hmm. That's just for me, but I, that's been the case for 20 some years now, you know, that's Mm -hmm. been the case. And there's times where people have even said to me, I mean, you know, Hey, maybe you need to think about going back on some meds. And I just immediately think about what you just said. (laughs) That's exactly (laughs) where my brain goes to, because it's like, I don't want to go through that again. I don't want to go through that's horrible. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, fortunately, so there is one medication that works really well for me. And so I'll keep upping it, you know, Mm -hmm. or I guess the doctor will keep upping it. And so really, I think my long-term strategy will be if I'm off it long enough, then when I go back on it, it works again. And so instead of trying a whole bunch of things, I'll just go off it for a while and, you know, deal with that and then then go back on it. Try to come back. Yeah. But yeah, I'm at that point again, where I think that's, I have a, an appointment in, um, right before Christmas and I probably need to to make it sooner but yeah that process is hard mm-hmm. i don't like it what about for you andy how do you your recovery how do you how has it evolved and what do you do and well throughout my 20s and early 30s um it was really hard to find any kind of uh therapy or anything like that um here I don't, I don't think I saw a psychiatrist until well, well into my thirties. Cause it just wasn't an option, uh, mm-hmm. here. Um, and I never, I never really clicked with a therapist either. I mean, you have those, I, I had the employee assistance program things, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you get four sessions and then they have to refer you out if you need more yeah. than that. Right. So yeah. I would go to my four sessions and they would say, well, I really think you you know need to continue, but you can't continue with that person because it's a conflict of interest. Right. So yeah. then, okay, well, where are you going to go? So um, they sent me to a mental health center and the first appointment, the person told me if I was not ready to confront my dad about his alcoholism, there was nothing they could do for me. And I'm like, well, this isn't going to work, right? Like, yes, let me, let me ruin that relationship, right? Right, 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 right. 
Um, so, <laughs> I mean, that, that was, that was a huge struggle. Um, and honestly, it wasn't until, uh, I was 35 that I found a really good therapist. And the reason I found that therapist is because, um, my husband left me. I, I, I totally fell apart. I, I was non-functional for four months. I couldn't take care of my kids. Mm. I could barely get to work. I, I, I just, I, I was non-functional and I, I did, I was in inpatient treatment, but it was a week and then my insurance ran out and they sent me home and I, they're like, Oh, you're going. And I'm like, but I'm not different. Like nothing has happened. And in fact, like three days in, they even quit ask, quit asking me if I was still suicidal. Right. Like they didn't even ask me anymore so that they could send you home. Yes. Like, but nothing has changed. Right. 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 And then, then I didn't have my suicide attempt and then until like two months um, later, but, but the, the couple of things that changed, I, I was in the hospital just overnight here. Again, there's, there's very little treatment here. There was a behavioral health unit at the hospital I was the only person in it. They had to open it for me. They didn't normally staff it. I mean, you know, it was weird. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was, but it was, we it had was to dust t- the place off. Yes. Like, <laughs> we got somebody, you know, yes. like, they're like cleaning it. <laughs> I, I'm the only person in there. They're like letting me eat whatever I want to out of the snack thing right. and watch <laughs> movies. And I mean, that, that was it. But, but uh, the doctor, the doctor who was on call, um, made a huge difference for me because she said, I went through a divorce a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I felt the same way. I had to move back in with my parents. I couldn't mm-hmm. take care of my kids during that time. And that, that was huge for me. And while it's not really peer support, it's still the same concept, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I know that this person who is clearly functional and holding mm-hmm. a job and mm-hmm. successful mm-hmm. went through the same thing Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. And so then I had hope that things could get better. Um, so then I got connected with, with a psychologist um, and we did a lot of like new experimental kind of things like mm. EMDR and mm. Mm. Um, some body-based kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, it mm-hmm. helped me understand the fight flight freeze. Cause I, mm. I freeze and I hadn't, I didn't have those words to know why I didn't do the fight or flight, right? Like I just, you know, and, and so understanding how that all works in your body and, and learning to recognize what my body felt like when I was depressed or when I was anxious or, you know, that kind of thing. If I could focus on what my body felt like, then it was easier to deal with in my head. Yeah. Um, but that was the time that my diagnosis changed. So um, mm. my diagnosis now is actually bipolar disorder. And so mm-hmm. um, I have been 
very stable since that diagnosis, since treatment based on that diagnosis Mm -hmm. and medication based on that diagnosis. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. I used, I used to know I was manic, but Mm -hmm. I didn't have the diagnosis. You know, I would be like, oh, I am talking really, really fast. And my mom would be like, yeah, you are (laughs) Uh, (laughs) like, uh, okay. Uh, But I didn't know what to do with it. Um, uh-huh. at the time, but, um, uh-huh. I, I've been on the same medication for quite a while. I am lucky that my primary care physician is comfortable managing those medications for me because it still is hard to find somebody to do med management here. But the uh-huh. only reason she did that is because I had been stable for like eight years. Right. And so I know what I need and I know how to tweak things a little bit. I can go in and say, okay, this one isn't quite working. Can we increase mm-hmm. the dose a little bit? Oh, that was too much. Let's back mm-hmm. off a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, I appreciate the fact that she listens to me and that she understands that I know mm-hmm. my body and I know my disorder and mm-hmm. you know I can tell her what I need and she mm-hmm. pretty much will go along with what I think I need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's an, go ahead, go ahead, Beth, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, you talk about how it feels and, you know, listening to your body. And that's something that I think Mm -hmm. I've just started getting a hang of the last couple of years. Like I am just beginning to recognize like, oh, it's that time of the year. This is why I'm depressed. Instead of Mm -hmm. trying to like pinpoint what's going on to understand like, yeah, like usually in the spring and definitely end of August, beginning of September. That's just how it is. And I don't know why, mm-hmm. but I just can mm-hmm. recognize it now and maybe prepare a little bit, take a little bit better care of myself, not put mm-hmm. too much on my schedule. Um, mm-hmm. And then just being gentle with myself. That I think is still the hardest part about mm-hmm. a behavioral health challenge for me mm-hmm. is just giving myself some grace and being like, it's okay if I don't feel like doing something. Um, and to just trust that I think for so mm-hmm. long, I didn't trust, mm-hmm. you know, am I, am I taking care of myself or am I just not wanting to, you know, get up and work and kind of mm-hmm. not knowing what the motivation was. And so mm-hmm. just being able to be really gentle with myself and, um, and say, you know, like if I had a cold and I didn't feel very well today, you know, mm-hmm. what would I do? Well, I wouldn't mm-hmm. force myself to do a whole lot. And so mm-hmm. just trying to take care of, um, myself that way. So that part's kind of changed a little bit for me and I am doing better about being gentle and, and just really, um, trusting, you know, what my body's telling me. Um, a new thing for me has been anxiety. My anxiety has, I've never really struggled with anxiety and I don't know if it's very situational or if it's again, hormones, or I don't know what's going on, but I am, the anxiety has been coming up a lot for me. And so trying to go out there and find other ways to handle, you know, the anxiety that I haven't had before has been Mm -hmm. kind of a new, a new part in my life and I'm 45. And so according to everybody, like now's the time where hormones change again. And so (laughs) I don't know what the next, you know, five, 10 years, it's like, once you figure something out, I'm like, Mm -hmm. now that's not working anymore. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. just to, just to be okay with, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, that it, Mm -hmm. it, it changes from day to day. 
one of the other things that's been really helpful for me is working from home. Mm-hmm. I do not function well on an eight to five kind of schedule, but mm-hmm. you know, you have mm-hmm. to force yourself to mm-hmm. do that uh, mm-hmm. when you work in an office or whatever. And so um, being able to control my environment and yeah, if I need to sleep until noon and then mm-hmm. I work until eight, I mean, that's mm-hmm. just what I do. And it has made mm-hmm. me way more able to deal with anything that comes up because I don't have to worry about, well, I better get to sleep now. Cause I'm going to have to get up and, you know, then you spin in the yeah. go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. So, mm-hmm. right. <clears throat> right. Yeah. I think, <clears throat> I think that for me, that, um, that recognition of how am I feeling <clears throat> and being able to recognize it, acknowledge it, and then have tools to be able to work on it and to create for me um, an environment that's conducive to being healthy. And, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't know who invented the eight to five work week and Monday through Friday, but you know, that was not, uh, that would, that's not taking people's health into consideration. And, um, but, but that's hard because right. You have to, you have to work for a company that understands that, or you have to start your own company or, you know, right. Like, and, and that's taken, you know, a long time. And then, you know, with MPN, being able to do that, being able to develop the organization that way, not only for myself, but for the other people who come to work there. But that's all part of this evolution for me in my own recovery. And I don't go to therapy um, consistently now, you know, I can, I can take long breaks and then go back and then take breaks and go back. And I don't do the medication, but something that's changed for me is um, making sure I take vitamins and supplements. And that's something I never did until I was like, um, I was in my 40s, you know, and I started taking some vitamins and supplements and really noticing the difference. And really having to create a habit for myself of doing that and um, eating uh, like in the mornings for, I don't know, seven or eight years now, I've been uh, drinking like nutritional shakes instead of eating cereal, for example. Um, I might change it up every once in a while, have some eggs and some toast or some oatmeal but that's a huge change for my wellness, not starting the day with this like blast of sugar, um, which is something that really goes all the way back to childhood. And, mm-hmm. you know, you get up in the morning and you eat cereal and what are you eating? You're eating sugared cereals and, you know, right in this crash. And, but also then it's just like, for me, the more sugar I eat, the more I crave it. And Mm -hmm. that creates these sort of ups and downs in how you feel. And that's been a very big evolution. When I got into recovery in my twenties, 
it, it, and I can't remember exactly when it was, I had maybe a couple years and I stopped drinking soda for, I don't know, you know, maybe three or four years, like, and that felt pretty good. And then I think in my thirties, I kind of went back to it. And then, um, all through my forties, not, not, uh, drinking very much soda. I do drink soda. I have soda in my home now, but it's something I do occasionally, mm-hmm. not, not something that I'm doing every day, mostly drinking water <clears throat> or tea. And so for me, there's been a lot of things like that of more, what I call like holistic or nutritional changes too, that have really changed in, in my own evolution and are part of my recovery and things like gardening and planting. I mean, you guys know, I talk about this stuff, you know, in staff meetings and, you know, flowers, planting flowers, growing flowers, growing vegetables, you know, those kinds of things. Those all really help my mental health. Um, Moving from Chicago to Montana and working in Yellowstone Park and hiking, being in the outdoors, um, all of that is just, it's so calming to me and fills me back up with energy and I can work through things mentally and emotionally. Um, And that's replaced regular support meetings that I I did that stuff in the beginning, you know, pretty regularly going to groups and, and it's kind of replaced that because I found a different connection, growing my spirituality, growing my connection to the earth. And, um, and it's just all part of the evolution and that's, what's Mm -hmm. worked, what's worked for me. And I know now that I feel good when I'm outside Verse, you know, if you have to, if I spend a week busy with work and you're constantly inside, even if I'm at inside at home, even not as good as getting out. And I have to make time for that to get out, mm-hmm. go for a walk or work in my garden or even things like mowing the lawn. Like I won't get a riding lawnmower because I want the physical <laughs> activity of walking and pushing So I'll work all day, but then I'll come home and, you know, mow the yard for the next two hours and I'm getting that physical activity Mm -hmm. and I'm outside. And those are really important aspects for me to combat depression and to stay healthy. Um, And it's also time for me, the walking, hiking, even if you're pushing a lawnmower, gardening it's also time quiet contemplative time Mm -hmm. like meditation for me the hiking is almost it almost becomes a walking meditation for me this quietness and you get really connected to your surroundings rather than just moving through life and just doing this and doing going to the grocery store and getting gas in the car and going to the office and it's like you're really zoned in on what is really around you you're very hyper aware and that seems to be able to allow my conscious self subconscious self to like work things out because i can tell when i don't um but that's an evolution i mean that took years (laughs) that took Mm -hmm. 
you know, like 20 years to figure all that stuff out and, and get, get to a place where I could do those things. Cause sometimes that's not, it's not possible and mm-hmm. it's challenging. And it's okay that we change what worked for us, you know, 10 years ago or in that season yeah. of life may not work now. And yeah. sure. again, with my rigidness, it's like, oh, if this works, I'm going to have to do it forever. So then I add like, now I have 20 things that work and I'm going to do them every day. And yeah, just to be flexible, yeah. to be like, yeah, I did that and it worked and I might go back, but yeah, yeah, finding those things. Yeah. 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 Exercise for me has been a, a good a good coping tool, but at the same time, um, I have to be very self-disciplined in doing it. So that's kind of been my, it works on multiple. It gives me my mental health. And then it also helps my, I don't know, my self-discipline. And, but, you know, again, like I am a social person. So I do group classes at the gym because number one, I have to show up at a certain time, which holds me accountable, which is good. And number two, I'm with all these people. And so I think to just trying those things and really, you know, um, trying to uh, figure out, you know, what works for you and your personality yeah. with whatever's going on right now, you know, in your, that's key. In your life. Yeah. 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 I Anybody who's, how, who's listened to me do podcasts before probably knows that I, I act, um, in a theater company mm-hmm. um up here and for me um it's a dissociation from myself but it's a healthy dissociation from myself um and it actually allows me to explore emotions in a safe way because it's mm-hmm. not really me having mm-hmm. those emotions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I still, yeah, subconsciously, I'm still processing those emotions as somebody else. And and actually, um, theater uh, is really helpful, even with young kids with uh, trauma and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that, because it just, it allows you to explore that stuff yeah. safely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this has been a great, another great episode. Has been. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say thank you to both of you for opening up, being vulnerable and um, I think, you know, it's easy to sometimes talk in a surface sort of way about things like, like depression, for example, um, you know, and give statistics and, you know, all these things, right. And so many people have depression and, you know, but to really, <clears throat> to really have a conversation about it with the recognition that there's listeners who are, who are maybe unaware, maybe like we were at different times in, in our own life, in their own sort of evolution. Um, and it could make a big difference in somebody's life to hear just like Andy and yours, you were talking about the, you know, the counselor saying to you, I mean, that can have a huge, huge impact on people. So thank you to both of you. And um, we'll definitely have future, we'll do some future ones, but this was a good one. And um, yeah, if you're a listener out there and you're feeling um, 
not quite right or depressed or blue or post postpartum, you know, encourage you to reach out, uh, whether you're general practitioner or a friend or a um, counselor or a peer supporter or somebody at your church, um, but reach out and talk to them and um, share how you're feeling because that could be, be the beginning of getting better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Andy or Beth? I was just going to say that um, uh, that it looks different for everybody. Um, and so don't compare yourself to somebody else. And then the recovery looks different too. I mean, I'm struggling with things now that I think should not be struggling with this right now, but it's not, you know, a straight line and it's not, yeah, you just can't compare yourself to others and um, it looks different for everybody, but support is great. Being around people that can understand is really important. Yeah. Recovery works. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in and you can check out our other podcasts when we explore other topics just like this one. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, buddies. Thank you. There's always hope. Recovery is possible. Recovery works. There's hope in recovery. Healing takes time. Recovery means resilience. You, know, you can get through anything. Recovery works. Recovery!